Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's episode. Hey, guess what? Before we get into it, you might have heard, I am drafted to the two Ramagpies as a part of the Carlton Draft. I'm going to be playing a game, dominating, kicking six, and then resetting at quarter time. For the first time in Carlton Draft history, one lucky Victorian women's community club will get the chance to draft the AFLW GOAT, Erin Phillips, to play as a wild card. How bloody good's that? If you want to enter this now to get her down to your football club, visit thecarltondraft.com.au. That's thecarltondraft.com.au. 18 plus, drink responsibly. KO's got you covered this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. Wow, in the AFL this week, there are some huge games. Collingwood versus Adelaide, live with no ad break during play, exclusive in Victoria. Giants versus Bulldogs. Oh, I remember that game. I think it was 2016 at Giants Stadium to get the Bulldogs into the grand final. I will never forget that one. Live with no ad breaks free during play. Exclusive in Victoria. And Essendon versus North Melbourne. Jeez, that's the old Ben McKay Cup. Exclusive to Fox Footy. Available on KO. Don't forget those NBA playoffs. They are dominating at the moment. It is just getting bigger and better than ever. Watch every game of both Eastern and Western Conferences finals live with ESPN on KO. There's plenty of room for everyone, no matter what you want to watch. So get on board with KO. Now also available on Hubble. Ladies and gentlemen, this is an incredible episode today. Absolutely blessed to get Isaac Smith in the studio. Former Hawk, former Cat, four-time Premiership player. This guy's done it all. It's genuinely incredible to get him in uh, for an awesome, awesome episode. I really, really enjoyed this one. was super surprised, actually, because I'd never really known much about Isaac on a personal uh, level. And I was just, yeah, just crazily sort of surprised at how... Um, his interest outside of not just playing, but in terms of the business of the game and all those bits and pieces too, which now that I think about it, and I actually said this in the show, like it, it doesn't surprise me at all. When you've had that much success, you're exposed to some incredible things. And obviously he's been a big player in that too. He tells so many incredible stories about Hawthorne, about the Cats, about you know the teammates that he's played with, talks a lot about the current state of the game, where he wants it to go. But all in all, this was a fantastic episode, especially talking about um, footy clubs as a business and talking about how important it is to have stability at a football club to have overall arching success. Um, so I really enjoyed this. There's a couple of absolutely cracking stories at the end about you know the grand final preparation and um, those bits and pieces too. So make sure you stay tuned for the whole thing because this is a really, really good episode. I really enjoyed this one. A um, couple of little ones too. Make sure you check out dylanfriends.com. The website has been restocked. Hoodies are back online for the time being and we cannot appreciate you enough for all the love and support. And yeah, don't underestimate how much that is supporting us by purchasing any uh, you know merchandise uh, on the online. It, it really does mean a lot. We've got some really cool things coming too. Heading over to Perth for our live event. We've got our gather round tickets going on sale shortly. And uh, yeah, there's plenty more. So stay posted. Uh, 200 plus. The Tradies, uh, Rezies, and Life of Brian. Make sure you check out those podcasts that are brought to you by Clubby Sports. And, yeah, there's some really cool things in the works um, with those episodes coming back into Fusion 2. Make sure as well you check out Footy and Friends with Brett Delidio and Mick Barlow that started back last week. Um, yeah, we've got plenty of cool things on the horizon. So thank you so much. If you enjoy this, make sure you send it to a friend that goes for the Cats or Hawthorne to get a bit of an insight. And um, yeah, always helps it when, with a rating and reviewing. So I really appreciate it. IllyXX, send it to your mum, send it to your dad, send it to your nan. Love you. Hi, fam. It's Dylan's mum, Deborah. 
This is Dylan Friends. It's about time I sat down with my son and yeah. had a decent chat. <laughs> this is going to be rogue. They don't actually know who I am, but when they watch me play football, I don't think many people do like me. A tribute band. Queen, so they played two songs for Free us. Pre-game. Pre-game. <laughs> anyway. What? So real, Dylan. I looked down and there's this shark biting my left leg. Joe. And I turned around and it was Kobe. No one misses eight weeks of footy with a jarred knee. Yeah, I'm like, Scott, no friends, Scott, no friends. And I thought, you know what? <laughs> I cannot miss this opportunity to get on the Dill and Friends podcast. Izzy, how are you, man? I'm good, mate. Thanks for coming in, bro. No worries. Good to be in here. I appreciate it. It's been a long time in the making. It has. It What's has. been happening? No, a lot of a lot of stay-at-home dad life. You're down in Bowen Heads? Geelong. Geelong. Yeah. Uh, stay-at-home dad life, and it's been... It's been tough. I had eight weeks of school holidays, uh, and we're right in the grime. We've got a four and a two-year-old, so there was no kinder, no daycare for us over that time, and it was hard work. But I have a lot of appreciation for the stay-at-home mums out there. Oh, mate, it's a, it's a, I can imagine the most rewarding job in the world, which my beautiful wife, I say to her every day, <laughs> she does an incredible job. Like We went away recently. And my favorite thing, like I do say this, it, family time is the best thing in the world. Yeah. But when I was, we went away for about four days and I was like, fuck, I said to Jazz, I was like, I need to go back to work yeah. for a holiday. For a break. Like it was, it's just full on. It's I'd, crazy. I can't believe how good I had it when I could just walk out the door and my job was the most important job in the household. So it was all about me. Have you had a reality and check of was late? A, well, I have. We've got, uh, and I mentioned this to you off air, but we've got a home care business in Geelong as well. Um, home at heart for anyone that wants to look it up in home age care. Put Darcy in there. Uh, which she's doing a fantastic job at running and um, not that it was the reason that I hung it up, but it was certainly one of the reasons yeah. that um, it was now my time to support my wife and uh, it's now her time to uh, explore some things that she wants to do. So uh, it's been awesome to see her go through all the stresses and everything else and I'm the one that's got to be the supportive one. So um, certainly we've had a role reversal at home and I did say to her uh, only last week that it's been pretty cool to see the transition of our family and being able to spend so much time at home with the kids over the last yeah. five months, but I'm so excited they're back at daycare and kinder. <laughs> yeah. Look, I've only got one and um, it's the best thing in the world, but fuck, it's, um, it's just, it's the best, hardest thing Ever, yeah. I can't. There, there is a part that is surprising because I had my um, my son outside of footy, so I didn't have to have that job. But I was actually speaking to Toby yesterday, Toby Green, who's his missus is actually going in today, yeah, to um to have their baby. And I was like to him, you know, because I remember when I had my kid, like I had probably like two or three or four weeks off work, and it was I, I can't imagine doing that by yourself, you know, like with the girls, like having a, to go back to training or whatever. And he goes, oh, I've got the weekend off. And then a couple of days and then I'm back at training. And I'm like, how the fuck's that going to work? Like that's it. I'm like, mate, do you realize what's about to happen to you? Like you can't just like leave, but technically you sort of have to. Well, the, the thing I worked out is that you don't need to be there for the first three, four, five days. It's in three, four, five yeah, weeks true. time when shit's hitting the fan at home. That, that is true. Um, you probably need to be there. But yeah, we had our second son in the middle of the season uh, and that was difficult he caught a virus in utero and he had a couple of issues so um, it was a bit of a hairy time for us as a family for six or 12 months wow. uh, and I remember there was one game where I had 
zero sleep leading into the game. We'll play a night game. I can't even remember what the game was, but we'll play a night game on a so Friday or Saturday night, and it was either Thursday or Friday night. I, I literally did not have one wink of sleep. Uh, my son was going in for a heap of tests, and mm. um, this poor little boy was getting cushioned up to go into like MRI machines and all different things. And uh, I remember it was just before we're about to run out the race, and our player development manager came over. Uh, Mark Worthington, he'll like the shout out. He's a good man. man. Uh, he's a great man. And he came over, he said, are you all right, mate? And I said, no, nah, no, I'm not. <laughs> and he said, do we need to pull you out of the game? And I said, no, nah, I'll just I'll just play. It'll be fine, whatever. Uh, and I remember just running around, played all right. I think I played quite well, to be honest. But um, I have absolutely no idea what happened <laughs> and got home and crashed. And But they're the things that, and not that I'm asking for any sympathy, but they're the things that a lot of players play with or deal with or uh, when I was at Hawthorne there was a heap of dads there and um, you'd see Hodgie come in and he looked like he'd been hit by a truck and mm. uh, and then you've got to perform and as a player and as a professional sportsman you understand that you get paid to perform so um, they're some of the stresses and um, to be honest they're some of my favourite and most memorable moments of playing footy as well. It's really cool man I appreciate the honesty there it's actually crazy like around that performance and like we speak about this a lot and you'll find this you know transition out of the game like how transferable those skills are just in life like knowing even if you've fucking been through shit you just have to get it done and like this morning i was about to have a fuck like i had this i had just <laughs> seven things pop up this morning like something happened personally something happened family something happened in business and i was like fuck me like i'm not in the game right now but yeah. i'm like Izzy's coming in in like 20 minutes. Like, get your fucking shit together, get it done, and then worry about it after. But it's pretty cool to like know when you when you just have to get it done, sometimes you just got to get it done. Yeah, and that that's one of the main skills you get out of footy. And the beauty is that you don't get any sympathy and no one cares. Yeah, no one knows. Yeah, no one knows. Yeah, that's a big one. Like, no one knows. Uh, but as you said, you just got to suck it up, get it done. Uh, like, I, I remember multiple times where teammates were in hospital in the weeks leading into prelim finals, grand finals, mm. uh, different things. They roll out of hospital the day before a game and then they go and play in effectively the biggest game of their career. So, um, you know, so many things pop up in people's lives. I think the AFL is certainly getting better and clubs are certainly getting better at pulling guys out when they know there's really big issues going on because more often than not, uh, that's when players get injured because mm. um, they're not at their uh, well there's probably an element of fatigue and an element of where they're not fully engaged in what's going on so you're more likely to get injured but yeah they're some of your best memories in footy when it's hard yeah you're getting it done it's two people sort of stand out to me like through my playing days of just that relentless sort of pursuit of just getting it done and no like frills no fuss I remember when I was playing um, Matt Cruiser who's oh, yeah. obviously a hugely respect like people used to call him the truck because you just keep you just kept fucking trucking like yeah. you know trucks just don't stop they're yeah. not going quick but they yeah. just don't stop like and he would multiple occasions like have surgeries midweek and like not even the playing group would know about it you sort of see him like limping in and then you're like oh what happened he's like oh i just had this quick thing and then just get up and play that week yeah and you're just like fucking hell mate like that is unbelievable and then another one that it could have been an incredible story unfortunately when there's no success sometimes after it the story isn't 
you know, nah. as, as good. Success helps. Success definitely <laughs> definitely helps. But I remember... Um, so are you saying none of your stories are relevant in your career? No, this isn't to do with me. So I could tell you through a... You know, I broke my wrist in a VFL game once and we beat Werribee. Where's but the it's, VFL? It's, 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 exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, come on. I, do have a, I do have a VFL premiership. Um, but Matt DeBoer at the Giants, who I'm not sure if you are familiar with, you know, personally, but obviously you'd know who he is. He went into that grand final like with a 90% sort of like chance. I could be fluffing this story up, but the knee was, his like ACL was pretty much not attached. Yeah. And he got through and actually played a really good game. And I was like, fuck, if they had a one, they lost by about 100 points. But if yeah. they had a one, can you imagine that legacy and that story of how cool that would have been? Yeah. Crazy. But you didn't. But, well, they didn't. <laughs> no. I was in well, the stands. So you didn't play. Yeah, I was in the stands. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. And some this players- This was the grand final against Richmond. Yeah. Where which, they got pumped. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. And depending on the player, they can- you know, something like that. You're running straight lines. Yeah. You can get away. Did you with... have any situations going... Like, you've played in four flags. Yeah. Four premierships. Yeah. Like, any sort of touchy moments going into games or did you always find yourself quite fit heading into big ones? No, I reckon more often than not, I went into a game worrying about... Something. Yeah. An injury of some sort. Uh, you always... Or I did. Um, always had a little nick in a calf or a little nick in a hemi and you're thinking, oh, am I going to be able to... Yeah. Um, get through or I remember leading into the 2015 final series I did my MCL in my knee uh, and you end up um, getting a fair few needles to get up um, for the games and I remember we played Perth uh, played Perth played West Coast over in Perth in the first final over there and um, I'd done my MCL the week before I think it was a grade 2 tear Shit. and I remember after that game all the painkillers wore off and I was just like oh what have I done here? And then um, the beauty of modern medicine. Uh, but I think you'd find most of the teams that are playing in a grand final, not necessarily who wins, but most of the teams, a lot of the players would be going out there. Carrying something. Carrying something. I was actually, this is a funny story. I'm not sure if we want this to go to air or not, but uh, we used to take these anti-inflams that were suppositories. Yes, the silver bullets. Yeah, silver bullets. Yes. Do you ever take them? I have sat on a few of those. Um, and I was telling... <laughs> I was telling mum the other day because she fell off a bike and hurt her wrist. Mm. And I said, oh, I've got some good anti-inflams at home. <laughs> you give them to your mum. <laughs> uh, she's a palliative care nurse, okay. so yep. um, she, knows, she knows all about that kind of stuff. But even then I was telling her to the extent of like some of the things you do leading into games and she had no idea. Yeah. Um, and she's it's your mum. It's crazy when you look back now though, isn't it? And you think, fuck, you actually put yourself through some of this shit. Yeah. But you when did. you're in the thick of it, it's just... You just do it. Well, you don't think twice about it. Mm. So, yeah, it's funny. It's funny. Um, going back to... Because you were picked up as a 19-year-old or 20-year-old? Uh, no, I was... Uh, I, 21. I finished uni. I reckon I was 21, nearly turned 22. That's, how, did that, how did that happen? So, what happened earlier? Like, was it just not on the radar? Were you not... Like, did it take time to develop further? Like, what were you playing? Uh, so, I grew up in country New South Wales. So, Cootamundra. Um, not a big footy town at all, rugby league, rugby union town. Mm. Uh, a lot of good rugby league players have come out of there. And the development in Aussie rules like, was non-existent. I used to train with the senior team uh, during winter uh, and they were a very average football side. Um, Cooter was that cold in winter that you'd come off training and your windscreen had already frozen over. Uh, but, yeah, just the development wasn't there. I played... My juniors for Tamora and in Wagga, and 
uh, I was a small kid. I didn't develop till I was sort of 16, 17. So you missed that boat. I was also a December 30 baby. Yeah, so you're, so you're also young in the year. So you don't get the opportunities um, that someone that develops earlier in the year. It's funny, there's a great book by Malcolm Gladwell, The Outliers. I don't know if you've read it. No. But it talks about that in terms of uh, the National Hockey League in America uh, and the Canadian hockey and how uh, players that were born in the first half of the year tend to have got drafted versus players that are born in the second half of the year because even from six, seven years of age where they start to get identified, they got six to 12 months development. development on the youngest players. And so then they get pushed into representative stuff. They get more training. They get more access to certain coaches. And it just talks about how on a line, like, you know, they're tracking along together. And mm. then because they get all the extra development, they take off. It's interesting. Uh, so then there was a bit of ploy by uh, list managers in certain sports to go and try and look at the talent and find the unicorn that was born in the back half of the year that didn't get all that development. Uh, LeBron James was a December 30 baby. Is he? I think he'd have developed early, though. Yeah, if he was born. Uh, <laughs> but it's interesting when if you went back and looked at it, how many players have probably missed out on opportunities because they were younger. Later in the year. Yeah. Well, there's one, we were talking about it yesterday with Mick Barlow and, and Brett Delidio. There's What was the bloke's name to ask? Do you remember the guy from North Melbourne that was being picked up? He's a big ruckman. He's like December 30 this year. So yeah, he right. just got picked up. Yeah. Um, but needs a lot of development. They weren't alluding to that depth of the story, but it makes complete sense. Yeah, so it was interesting. So, uh, but cricket was different because I was right in the middle of cricket because in New South Wales, yeah, it's half year. Yeah, so well, I used to have that with the draft though. Around like, remember when it was you get picked up, you could get picked up as a seventeen-year-old. Yeah, if you were from Mar um, but you couldn't really get picked up as a nineteen-year-old. No. Like as no. in because everyone went, oh, we just need the best kids. Yeah. It went through that athletic kids development stage. Yeah. Well, that was, I think, 2000s. the last draft, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was like Jack Watts's draft was the last one where he was a 17-year-old getting picked up. Yeah, Because right. he was born Jan to, um, yeah. to April was yeah. the cutoff. Yeah, right. Do you reckon Jack cooked that? Or? I think he fucked it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, interesting. And I played a lot of others, so I love cricket, love touch footy, mm. uh, loved lots of things, but I just wasn't big and strong enough. Uh, and I think I got it quite lucky in the sense that I got to have a year off and work. Then I went three years of university. So uh, I wouldn't give those university days back for Was anything. that at Ballarat? Yeah, Ballarat. What were you studying? Uh, oh, nothing really. Like an arts degree. <laughs> I was at uni. <laughs> <laughs> what was the course? Uh, no, I, was, I studied sports management and it was a lot of fun. And that, But the best thing I got out of that was just life skills. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was lots of partying, um, lots of fun. Like I remember we'd, you know, we'd always, uni night was Wednesday nights. Geelong uni night was Thursday night. So we'd sometimes pile in a bit of a bus and roll down to Geelong uni nights. Um, and then you'd have Friday off and then you'd play footy Saturday. And then you'd be on the drink Saturday night and then you'd have recovery uh, in one of the lakes there, which was freezing in Ballarat. And then you'd have a Sunday Arvo sesh. Then you recover Monday, Tuesday, and then you do it all again. <laughs> but, uh, like just good times. A lot and, of blokes don't get to do that these days. No, obviously. Yeah, and I'm not saying that was the be all and end all of it, but it just you had responsibility. You had to be your own person. You had to figure out what worked. Uh, yeah, and I was I was fortunate that I also had some talent and ability, and um, but I think. Being there and doing that rounded me out better than getting picked up as an 18-year-old yeah. um, and struggling for four or five years and then, say, making it through. 
Um, you have to hold down a job. You have to study. You party. Like there's a whole heap of different things. And um, you watch these young footballers come in now, and so many of them struggle just with the day-to-day life. They've been the best kids growing up. They've been mothered or fathered mm. uh, a hell of a lot, and they've come straight into a system. So, uh, yeah, I think the way I did it, it's probably very similar to the American college, uh, the way they do things. But, um, yeah, it was a hell of a lot of fun. It's, it's crazy. Like, I reflect on a lot of stuff now, and I think that if I had have had that sort of journey, it would have been so much better for me as well. Just having yeah. that perspective, like, you go from 18 to school straight into a system, and you're like, this is going to be me forever. Yeah. But it just – without knowing what actually – other mates are doing and all those sort of things too and going through uni and as you said like learning how to do your wash and moving out of home knowing that like the bills aren't gonna just yeah, pay yeah. themselves like you're not on big money you're just doing these things that are building those life skills a lot of guys that get into footy you have to learn that when you leave and yeah. you could be like 30 years old trying to work it out with kids so yeah it's fucking it's it's a lot harder well it was like yeah it was different for me as we just talked about but i got even institutionalized being in it for 13 years mm. and i had four years before it uh, and I felt like I had a lot of other skills, but then you get institutionalized and everything gets done for you. Like it's not normal life when you're in there and you understand why it happens because you're trying to make these players and allow these players to be the best they can be. Um, and so it should be for the elite. Uh, but there are a lot of guys that get spat out and don't have the skills to transfer into normal life. So it takes them one, two, three, four years to adapt. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, it's interesting even... If I got in as an 18-year-old, I would have got spat out. I wasn't big enough, I wasn't strong enough, I probably wasn't mature enough. Mm. Uh, you look at these young ruckmen and they come in and they get smashed in a pre-season and you think you're probably better off playing country footy for three or four years, getting used to playing against a men, get against men, putting on some weight because you're probably having a couple too many beers. All you're doing is... Um, Shane and, Mumford style. You know, all you're doing is punch and bench press. Yeah. So you actually start to put on a bit of weight and you don't run anywhere near as much. You watch some of these young ruckmen and they run so much when they get in. They need to put on weight. They struggle to put on weight. They start to break down. It takes them six or seven years to get there anyway. Oh, mate. Well, I think they're pretty happy with that, to be completely honest. Have you seen? <laughs> like, it's just credit to them. Like, you know, it's not their hard work that got them to 200 centimetres. But, fuck, you can have a 14-year career in AFL and play about four games if you're 200 yeah. centimetres plus. It's crazy. Fuck that. It's, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, but you're right. Yeah, you're right in that sense. So how did it – you're playing – who are you playing with? So I was playing with Redan in the Ballarat Footy League. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, I was playing for 75 bucks a game. That sounds like my um, Giants contract. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got offered $1,500 to go to another team and said no. I took the 75. They had a really good uh, club room. It was called the Den. They still got it. Yeah. Um, great club, great fun. A lot of our uni mates were there. Um, it helped that they had incentives. So I got best on ground a few times. Which <laughs> that was a bit of extra money. That, what was that? An extra? Uh, maybe an extra three hundred. Okay. Yeah. So at uni, yeah, like three hundred dollars. That's just huge. Like you could go out for seventy five dollars when you had three hundred. Yeah. You're the king of the kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no, it was good fun. So I was at Redan, and then uh, I went to North Ballarat for the last three games of the two thousand and ten season. In, is that VFL? Yeah, VFL. Yeah. And then we won the – so I played three home and away games for them, three finals. We won the premiership against uh, – Ben's Northern – Northern Bullets yeah, and then got drafted from there. So, Crazy, man. Uh, I remember when I first got to North Ballarat, they were talking about a rookie selection because um, teams have been coming to watch me at Redan. And then each week it was just coming in, like rookie, fifth round, fourth round. And then by the grand final, I was going to go first round. And um, I like money. And I was sort of doing the calculations and I was like the contract between a first round player 
and a rookie player is a shitload different. So it was good. Inspired good result. Inspired you a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so when you were um, coming through, because back then I can't say this for off the, um, I know, but teams weren't really scouting through like local leagues back then. No, I wonder. I I don't know why it changed. Yeah. I remember I was playing at Redan and. Uh, I got called in. We used to go to the bunch of grapes for team selection on a Thursday night, um, and the boys have a couple of beers and um, they had really good dim sims. So dim sims were sort of the the thing of choice. And uh, I remember they had this side room where the coaches used to pick the team, and they asked me to go in there, and I was sort of like, oh shit, like I didn't fuck up on the weekend, yeah. so they can't be getting angry at me for something that's happened on the weekend. I'm our best player, so surely I'm not getting dropped. I've never been asked to go in there and in my first two and a half years. I was thinking, oh, God, what have I done? Like, what's happened? Anyway, I go in there and they're like, oh, we haven't been telling you this, but like pretty much every club's been coming to watch wow. you play footy. And as a 21-year-old who I thought was going to be my last year of footy because I wanted to work in sport, so I wasn't really thinking um, AFL was an option. Uh, it was a bit of a shock, and I was like, and they want you to go and play VFL so they can see how you go against the next level. And uh, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool being at uni and all that unfolding. And, and what would be in the time period of like from going to play VFL to then the draft, like three, four months? Uh, yeah, probably not even that. Yeah. I reckon it was like start of August, September, and then or October, November. November. Yeah. So, yeah, three or four months. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, it went real quick. What was... um. Was Hawks the team? Like, were they the only team that took it super seriously, or they said there was like, did you have meetings with anyone? Well, yeah, I ended up meeting with all of them. Graham Wright won't like me telling this because um, he got angry at me one day for saying it. But the Hawks meeting was the quickest meeting I had. Wrighty came down to Ballarat and literally spoke to me for I reckon ten minutes, asked me a couple of questions, and walked out. And I thought, oh well, I'm definitely not going to Hawthorne. Uh, and then, yeah, ended up. I won't. There was a couple of teams I flunked flunked my meeting with who'd you flunk oh I'm not saying I can't say why'd you flunk I can't say I like people Um, like did they flunk it or you flunked it oh I flunked it how Uh, just not answering the right questions nah I just probably didn't give my best self Um, (laughs) god you gotta give us one no I can't (laughs) I can't Um, so there are people that are still in the industry now obviously yeah, yeah. Well, and I don't want that that whole team fan base to hate me as well. Okay, but fair. Uh, I'm a bit of a. I like sport and I like business, and um, I've always been big on following um, certain trends. And I realised pretty early, and this was before I was even coming into the system, that financial stability and stability at board level at clubs is really important if you want to have success. Um, so. People always go, oh, I just want to get drafted. I just want to go to any club. Yeah, that was me, but I didn't just want to go to any club. I wanted to go to a club that was financially strong and had a stable board uh, because more often than not, they're the clubs that will have success. Um, And growing up, dad was massive around team success. Had nothing to do with the individual. It was just you play football to play in grand finals and that's it. It's all about the team. Um, So That's that's really awesome like that's a great note because i've thought about this so much since i've left and not to throw daggers at anyone it's just more around you look at what's happened over the past few years of teams you look at geelong you look at hawthorne you look at um richmond even with what happened with damien hardwick and brendan gale around like that is stuck together and yeah. backed each other in yeah it it honestly does have so much to do with boards ceos everything like 
they are so important to how clubs run. Oh, it's massive. And it's funny, like, I, I love when I hear people come out and say, oh, he's the best man for the job or whatever, or best woman for the job. And it's like, well, no, like, no one's ever the best man or the best woman or whatever for the job. Mm. Like, it's who you've got around you. And if you're good enough for the job, which plenty of people are, and you have good enough people around you and you stick together, you can go on a massive journey together. So I was fortunate enough to go to Hawthorne when I remember when I think it was pick, it was either pick 18 or 19, I can't remember, but I remember it came, Hawthorne came up and Freo had the next pick and I was like, oh, well, I'm going to Freo because I had a really good meeting with them and uh, I thought, yeah, that's where I'm going to end up. Um, and then Hawthorne called my name out, which was really cool because there was only two people I knew pretty much in AFL other than some North Melbourne people because of the North Ballarat connection. Yeah. Um, but I grew up with Luke Bruce and Matt Suckling, played footy all my juniors with them. So it was pretty cool to go to Hawthorne and then be able to play a whole AFL career with them. The Just on back to that question, I'm really curious about that. Did you ask in those meetings about sports stability? Like, uh, were I, you asking them about that? I don't think I asked about that specifically. Yeah. But I'm guessing I... Yeah, no worries, mate. <laughs> I'm guessing that some of my... I'm guessing there's people out there that would have taken notes in those meetings, but uh, they were certainly angles that I would have been pushing. That's because uh, I just think, like you said before, about players looking to get into teams. The big thing is they're just trying to impress and say the right answers, but to have it like thrown on them, being like, "Well, how's your board stability?" They just put it like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> no, nah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have said it like that. Well, my dude, Geelong rocked up and they rocked up on a Thursday. Uh, this story's public. I reckon Scotty and I have both told it. It's when Scotty first got the Geelong job. Yeah. Um, but I lived with two of my best mates and it was uni night the night before. So, um, like, John O, my housemate, came down and answered the door with just his jocks on um, while I was upstairs. I didn't realise. And then we mowed the lawn the day before because we knew Geelong were coming and there was pebbles in the lawn and we smashed a window and the glazier rocked up when Geelong were there. Oh, no. And then Scotty's like, you rock down with no shoes on. I'm like, well, I'm in my own house, mate. I don't need <laughs> no shoes on to, to have a meeting. So there was him, Nigel Lapp and Stephen Wells and a couple of other people. Uh, and he goes, oh, he goes, we wanted to take you and then you've rocked up like that. <laughs> but uh, no, it was... It was a really cool process and the draft's interesting because it's luck of the draw. Yeah. Uh, but I was fortunate enough to go to a really good club and a really strong club at the time with um, two blokes that I knew well. So mm. it, it was a fun time. Talk us through, like we could sit here and talk about Hawthorne for a million episodes, but what was like initial reactions to going to the club? Where were you sort of placed at the time? It would have been sort of fresh off the 08 because you got there. Uh, in what? Well, fresh off 08. Yeah. They bombed in 09, yeah. bombed in 10, I reckon. They made the finals, but they were just sort of sputtering along. And I got there at a really cool time that um, they drafted a few guys like Liam Shields, Matt Suckling, Ben Stratton, Luke Bruce, Ryan Shieldmakers. They'd all been drafted just before me. Um, and Clarko was still holding on to that 08 team. And it was about round three of the year that I got there that Clarko just blew that whole team up. And he brought in about 10 or 11 of us younger guys. And that ended up being the next the brigade, next yeah. phase, and um, certainly the not you'd say some some weren't the core, but certainly the driver of that next phase of success. You know, you had your older guys, but they need the energy of the young guys to come in and really drive what we're after. So um, it was a pretty cool period and a pretty uh, cool group to be involved in. We used to have a group meeting the day before a game, all us, all younger guys at that stage. Um, 
and we'd say which opposition player we're going to target and a few little things. And because we are so young and energetic, mm. it allowed the older guys just to play football and be the better players as such. Um, but we were the guys that really drove the energy and um, certain facets of our game, which um, targeting a player, Clark, I certainly love that. Like I'm not, not sure you ever popped up, you know. No, it may be in the Box Hill one. <laughs> don't laugh about that one. <laughs> you enjoyed that way too much. Um, what about the that period you were saying before about, oh, wait, coming off, it was a bit sort of bombed out. Yeah. Young guys coming in. Did anything sort of happen prior to the three flags? Uh, yeah, like yeah, the, there was... That uh, helped, you know, like forges together or anything like that? Yeah, there was... I've oh, heard there was, stories of Xavier Alice, like Clarko punching himself in the face. And Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the best ones, Clarko, the punching in the face. There was also ones, you know, you got the drink racks that hold six yep. to eight. Who's the AFL sponsor of drinks at the moment? Gatorade or Powerade? Is it Gatorade or Powerade? What are we saying? One of them. Prime. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whoever it is. Whoever it is, <laughs> doesn't matter. Um, but I saw your link to the AFL... Um, so I was going to say the right one, but mm. um, they were full and he got that angry. He went to kick the whole thing, thinking they were empty and they were all full. He kicked it. Oh, mate, you've never seen a bloke hobble and squirm after Broke that. his foot. Oh, mate, Probably. it was so funny. Um, but there's so many moments. We'll wait till he retires until we tell yeah, all the funny I things. Yeah, that's the, that's the... He doesn't need the North Melbourne boys stirring him up about a no. few of the things. But, yeah, it was really interesting because the club, we end up losing random my mate's birthday on feb the 20 i'm not sure when these go out but mm -hmm. i've rolled into one of the pubs in geelong on tuesday night and they're having a couple of beers and they're all they're watching the tv and they look up and um it's the hawthorne prelim against collingwood in 2011 i'm thinking geez what's going on here and i, I get really awkward watching myself playing i never liked watching reviews or highlights yeah. of that because i just i look at me i'm like look at your little linguini mm. arms you look like an idiot <laughs> what are you doing out there but anyway, it got to a real funny period because we lost that prelim. They should have been winning grand finals. We lost the 2012 grand final and we should have won that against Sydney. Um, we had a fantastic year and it was probably our best home and away season, not taking anything away from Sydney. They were brilliant on the day and they deserved it. But uh, that was probably our best home and away season where everything was put together uh, and we didn't win it. Um, so we weren't naive to think that if we're not winning it, then stuff's going to happen and stuff will get blown up. But there was a really pivotal meeting we had on our camp in Bar, and Luke Loudon stood up and um, pretty much posed the question that, you know, if the people at the top of the tree um, can't be holding themselves and everyone else accountable, then how are the people at the, the bottom of the tree meant to do it? So it was a, a really cool meeting and um, we talked about Ruckman and Luke spent about 10 years on a list mm. and played bugger all games. Mm. So, but... Uh, yeah, it had a huge impact on uh, the club and especially the leaders of the team at the time. And I'm not saying that was the catalyst, but um, there were certain moments that happened uh, at Hawthorne that um, really um, strengthened our resolve. And losing the 2012 grand final did. And I truly believe if we didn't lose that, we probably wouldn't have gone on and won three in a row. So um, you got to take the good with the bad. I don't often think about 12, so it doesn't matter. I only mm -hmm. think about 13, 14, 15. A lot to think about. Hello, my beautiful friends and family. Guess what? I am back. I am back. Third time lucky. My third time drafted in my life. I'll be making a return to footy as a part of the Carlton Draft, along with some big household names. Not as big as my name, but uh, some quite big names. Isaac Smith, Trent Cotchen, Matty Lloyd. 
Lee Montagna, some of the all-time greats of our game, as I've just mentioned. One lucky Victorian women's community club will get the chance to draft the AFLW GOAT Erin Phillips to play as a wild card. How bloody good is that? If you're a part of women's community footy and you are keen to get Erin down, enter now at thecarltondraft.com.au. That's thecarltondraft.com.au. 18 plus, drink responsibly. KO's got you covered this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free drink play. Wow, in the AFL this week, there are some huge games. Collingwood versus Adelaide, live with no ad break string play, exclusive in Victoria. Giants versus Bulldogs. Oh, I remember that game. I think it was 2016 at Giants Stadium to get the Bulldogs into the grand final. I will never forget that one. Live with no ad breaks free during play, exclusive in Victoria. And Essendon versus North Melbourne. Geez, that's the old Ben McKay Cup. Exclusive to Fox Footy, available on KO. Don't forget those NBA playoffs. They are dominating at the moment. It is just getting bigger and better than ever. Watch every game of both Eastern and Western Conferences finals live with ESPN on KO. There's plenty of room for everyone, no matter what you want to watch. So get on board with KO, now also available on Hubble. You spoke about the success thing earlier, like how important your old man was saying, like how big success is and winning three flags at Hawks, one at Geelong. Do you have a formula? Do you think there is a formula for it or do you think it just is, is a culmination of a million things? Uh, do I have a formula like, for winning them? If you look um, at all, all four of the flags, I, like, is I, there a common thread yeah. or are they all sort of separate? No, I do and I don't really want to say because okay. if I ever decide to go into coaching, then... Yeah, okay. We like that. <laughs> I don't want to be giving up certain things, but I was fortunate enough. I, I won a grand final in 05, won one in six, lost one in seven. Nothing in eight, won a grand final in nine, won a grand final in 10, lost an AFL prelim in 11, lost an AFL grand final in 12, won one in 13, 14, 15. So for an 11-year period there. Playing a lot of footy. Yeah, I won seven or eight grannies. And I think I've only got one year in the decade that I get my liver can recover because I don't have a reunion. So um, I've been fortunate enough to have a fair bit of success and see how it all unfolded um and there's three or four things i'm really big on that uh, i think help you win a premiership and i look at some clubs and question some of the things they do Mm. um but it's really cool to be able to have that experience and and understand success Um, but first and foremost is you need as i mentioned before you need board stability you need a really good coach you need coaches underneath that coach who aren't going to splinter and have different conversations with different people. You need the coach and the assistants all on the same page. They can have as much argy-bargy in a locked room, but when they come out, you need them all uh, on the same page. Uh, and I've got this theory that uh, I've got to get it right because mm. it's, it's hard to get it right all the time. But So great players make a great coach, but a great coach makes a great team. Mm. So if the coach ever forgets that the players need to be great, then he's lost it. If the players ever forget that the coach doesn't need to be great, then they've lost it. Mm. But if you can have great players, great coach, then you get a great team. I really like that. You know what my biggest thing that I reckon is incredibly important that doesn't get spoken about enough? And again, I always relate this to not just footy, but like life, bands. Like I went and saw Blink-182 the other night and was sort of chatting with my mate about how much they've broken up over the years and got back together. And it's just crazy how when you look at a successful b 
band, group, business, anything. It's just all about knowing your role, sticking together, and just being open, honest, transparent with each other. Yeah. And just not letting ego get in the way. Yeah. Um, and I've definitely been in situations across many things where that's happened and you learn from it and you get involved. But fuck, the, even the assistant coach one, like there's been so many times where even through careers and stuff, you think they say things and you're like, I don't know if you, that's what you know, you're meant to be sort of saying right now. Like, yeah. Yeah, because it just, it just divides everything. Yeah, yeah it's massive. You need... You need a strong leader or strong leaders to drive. And culture can mean so many different things. Mm. Do you think that the culture of like winning is at cost of bigger things? Like you look at now, yeah. you look at a lot of teams and a lot of um, people that maybe don't have the success, but there's no relationships post-footy. Like I'm assuming, and yeah. I know I'm lucky enough in a lot of like the Hawks guys and the way you guys still stick together. I know there's been fractions of different people and everywhere, but yeah. it's morally, it's pretty close knit you want to have that relationship post things as well yeah whereas where the culture comes in like you want to have that friendship for life yeah oh and that's the best thing about footy um i'm sure you've got great relationships out of footy but the best thing about success is that you come back and you come back and you're always coming back and there's something to come back for like i only played three years at geelong but now i've got something to take me back there every 10 years and probably it'll be more often than every 10 years Mm. Uh, and that means that not only am i connected to that club my wife's connected to everyone at the club and all the partners and then my kids now have always got something to go back for which is pretty cool it's unbelievable it's so cool yeah it's 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 a thing that i you know not that it was a reality but it's like that's the dream for any sports person or anyone to have something to come back to and feel a part of yeah at a club which you know unfortunately and fortunately i actually don't think it's you know from someone that hasn't had success in the sporting field i actually don't want that if that makes sense like you want it when you deserve it yeah like you don't i don't think you should really have it unless you've earned it yeah you can still catch up with people and do it but it's like unless you've won a flag it's what's the point yeah it's, what are you sort of celebrating it's weird isn't it it's weird and like um yeah i'm just fortunate i've got a few you to go a few. to yeah you could you could cheer them but it's, <laughs> it's sort of hard what about favorite flag at hawks uh favorite flag of all time how the fuck did the geelong thing happen man that like didn't see that coming going to geelong yeah uh it just felt right yeah yeah how did yeah like when did that sort of start popping up like I, it was really now that i know you i had no idea how sort of business savvy not business savvy in the in the best way possible but like strategic you are with things and it's it makes a correct call to have done it yeah it was it was a big call at the time just because we'd had such a rivalry against them yeah um hawthorne were obviously about to go through a period of transition uh and my birth date really didn't help where i was at there um in the sense that they wanted me to stay and they offered yeah. a really good contract it was more money than what geelong were offering yeah uh but it just didn't feel right and it felt like um it felt like there were some difficult times to come at Hawthorne mm. um, and it didn't feel like um, they certainly were looking to enhance my career um, and ultimately it is your career. Um, so it was a really difficult period. I'd, I love the Hawthorne Football Club and I have such great memories but uh, it was time for change. Um, so then I had to go and do my homework and um, work out what the best possible place to go to was and uh i've never made um decisions on money and i mentioned money yeah. before but i've never made 
football decisions of that magnitude on the actual dollar signs. It's more about um, where am I going to be best suited, uh, which has served me well. Um, the bank manager would have preferred me to make other decisions, but, yeah, but I think that like with on that like the with success, it's like an investment for life. Yeah, right, it is an well. investment. So it's like it is. you take a pay cut, but if you haven't, if you're winning flags, like that's forever going to be. Yeah, a, which is not that that's not the reason you win flags, but nah. it's a great thing that happens. And that's something that my parents instilled into me, which was yeah. awesome, and I'm so lucky for that. Um, but yeah, the Geelong one, it felt right when I met with them and. Uh, it just, Did you like how, who initiated or like obviously just with the Hawthorne thing, I actually really love and respect what Hawthorne do, and I'm not sure if the situation was the same as like the Hodge and um, you know Jordan Lewis Sam Mitchell type setup of sort of leaving and and doing the coaching or finishing off their career somewhere else. Was it similar to that or was it a bit different? Uh, a little bit different. Yeah, yeah, because they were moving them on at the time. Yeah, where you wanted they wanted you to stay. They wanted me to stay. Like, this isn't really where I want to go. Yeah. Yeah. So um we could do a whole episode on this, but um yeah, it was just it was yeah, a really interesting time. And um I remember Clarko after I told him that it was Geelong said, mate, like they they've got wingers. They've got Mitch Duncan, they've got Sam Menangola. Like you'd be lucky to even get a game there. And I was like, maybe not to that extent, but yeah. he's like, where are you gonna play? And in my head, I was like, mate, I'm the best winger in the comp. I'll get a game at any club. It doesn't worry me. Um, so you've also got to back yourself in. Yeah. Um, I certainly put the plums on the line with that move. Um, and it was a little bit hairy, um, but it worked out for the best. And uh, I'm so fortunate that I got to go through uh, the main part of my career at Hawthorne. Got some great mates out of there. It was an awesome club. There was awesome people involved. Had a great coach, had great CEOs, great board. Um, it was all so stable when I was there at the time and I could see that was starting to fracture. Mm. Uh, and then when I got to Geelong, they operate so differently to Hawthorne. But one thing that is exactly the same or was exactly the same was they had a great coach, they had a great CEO, their board was really stable. Um, so, yeah, it was it was really cool. And now I've got some great mates um, from there and I've absolutely loved the move and we're loving living down there. So, so cool. it was pretty cool. I, the more you say about the strategy of a board and stuff like that, I've also noticed this one thing where I keep going, I've never heard of that board before. Or But it's like they're the best, they're probably the best why one. it's the best one. <laughs> yeah. It's like when you actually don't hear about them yeah. is when it's yeah. going well. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny. It's, fu it's funny. Yeah. Um, a little story. We lost the prelim to um, West Coast. Oh, not West Coast. I was at Geelong, sorry. Um, played in too many. I don't know which one. <laughs> and lost, but, uh, we, we lost the prelim to Melbourne over in the second year of COVID mm. over in Perth. And um, it was pretty morbid coming off. And, you know, at the end of prelim finals uh, and you lose them. And we lost them by, it was like 11 or 12 goals. So it was horrific. And we had a really old list and... Um, this is where Scotty's just unbelievable, but, um, you know, everyone's coming from everywhere in the media and, um, you know, we should tip it all out. We're done too old, blah, blah, blah. The same things that you get all the time, but, um, you know, people were going to lose their jobs and people were going to get delisted after that game. Like that's just the reality of football. You have to have three list changes every year. So someone's going, uh, but I remember it was all pretty morbid. Uh, at Optus Stadium and uh, right at the end I was deciding to go to Geelong or Melbourne um, and 
uh, I remember I rolled out um, in the change room. There were some blokes that were down in the dumps, and I thought, oh, well, like, we've lost it. Like, there's nothing we can do about it. There's no point worrying about it. We're here for another couple of days. We're in lockdown. We may as well have a few beers and enjoy ourselves. I said, well, boys, I said, you've just lost a prelim, but I gave up a few hundred grand and a premiership medal next week um, by choosing you over Melbourne. So... <laughs> 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 How did they take that? Oh, there was a few <laughs>, laughs and a few chuckles, and uh, no, nah, it was it was all good. But uh, it's amazing when you stick together, you stay strong. Yeah, you keep stability, um, you keep a belief. You have a coach that drives that, uh, and we come out and uh, in two thousand and twenty-two, we had one of the greatest seasons that any t- individual teams had for yeah. a season. So. Uh, yeah, you just can't throw things out too quickly in football. Oh, mate, it's it's anything though. Like I've just found that just so much. It's just you just got to stay together and be consistent. And it's not about like these peaks and troughs. It's just about a slow incremental yeah. rise. Yeah. Um. Do you think like that us versus them mentality was that ever like not probably those like actual words, but is that what happens in those situations? Because you do talk about, um, you know, we talk about that too old mentality and media talking about the cats like why well, they keep getting like older players it's a retirement home down there da, 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 da. yeah did that like fuel anything or was it just more thing to just like stick together and be a part uh, of it yeah i don't know if it fueled anything uh i, I find well, the way the what, like one way the afl system set up is that you need young guys coming in and you mm. need young guys on your list and all that but i don't know I just I'm flabbergasted why teams don't get more older guys that are coming towards the end of their career. Yeah, I love it's, it. Especially they've been involved in success uh, because they add so much to your playing group. And the one thing they do is they protect the young guys from so many hits. Mm. Even if you go to a team that is going to lose by 10 goals, you get a couple older guys, you might only lose by six goals or five goals. So you don't get those massive mental demons that a young guy might get in their career and then they find it difficult you know Carlton when you were there they had so many first round picks but mentally I'm guessing things were just so difficult there at certain stages mm. and it's uh, yeah it's interesting I, I, I like the older guy method but you also need to be bringing in a lot of young talent mm. um, to support that as well but yeah I don't know if it brought us together I think Geelong's unique that it's out of Melbourne Yeah, and I think that initially galvanizes the group a little bit uh, they've got a great club down there um, they really look after their players um, and there's a lot of guys with kids and when we we're at Hawthorne and we had success there was a lot of guys with kids uh, and I think that helps because it gives you a different perspective it gives you something else to worry about um, footy isn't the be all and end all and the most important thing it is uh, when you're in it but you're able to step out and you go home to a family uh, and your wife doesn't care if you only had five kicks on the mm. weekend or you didn't kick a goal or you missed a mark or whatever. Uh, yeah, my wife certainly never cared if I missed a tackle because she wouldn't be with me otherwise. But, <laughs> yeah, no, it's been an amazing little journey. It definitely has. The um, one part I'd love to chat about is, like, you're talking before around, you know, sticking together, all this stuff. I'm just so – I've never really spoke to a player about – an ex-player about how important this stuff is around you know the business of the game and relationships honesty those bits and pieces if you ever had teammates or maybe you didn't even have them because they didn't last in the organizations you were in or people in the in the team that were um 
you know, complaining, bitching, moaning about certain bits and pieces. What ended up happening in those situations with the players that you were around or the, the culture that fitted into that time? Did they just not last? Uh, no, not necessarily. I think, uh, like, Clarko and the Hawthorne Footy Club fostered a really good culture but a really good program that, like, if you had concerns, air them. Yeah. But then once they're dealt with, they're gone. So don't sit on them. And I think... Uh, in cultures that probably aren't as successful is that concerns probably don't get heard. Mm. So then the player they or the coach, they yeah. start to fester and then they go and talk to that guy in the in the change room and then that guy in the change room and then that guy. And next thing you know, you've got 30 bikes in the change room talking about it and bitching and moaning about it. Yeah. Uh, Hawthorne was really good at, and, and Geelong the same, but uh, bringing up conversations we had you know certain meetings that we'd have each week where things could get aired and concerns mm. could get aired um so i got nipped in the bud real quick yeah uh which is important in any because one thing you don't want to di dismiss is you don't want to dismiss people's emotions feelings yeah. thoughts because as soon as you do that then um, they withdraw as well so if people feel like they can contribute they feel like they can air their concerns or how can we get better or whatever it is uh yeah, an open environment to some extent is a really good environment. Mm. Das, I'm just a side point to you. Are you impressed? I, not that I shouldn't be impressed, but I just can't believe, and when you think about it, winning four flags, you know, being in that sort of career, like how much knowledge there is here of this stuff. Yeah. I feel like I'm learning a lot today. No, 100%. Which is stuff that, like, you talk about, but you're just like, fuck, I've just, it's great to hear that, like, around the business of the game, the culture, the things that actually matter. Yeah, in the best way possible. It's been surprising. Like, yeah. I, I didn't expect Well, this. you didn't expect that. Well, no, I, no. I, I didn't just didn't... Like, when you think about it logically, I think, well, fuck, obviously you've got these incredible lessons that you've learned, but I just didn't know that that was a part of your, um, your you know, repertoire around how, like, I've just... Yeah, in the nicest way possible. It's like it's incredible how knowledgeable makes, you are in the game. It makes a lot of sense now. It though, does make it. it well, yeah. it's it's not that I'm surprised. I'm just like fuck. I just didn't. Yeah. No, cool. I do get the you're just a happy smiley kid all the time. Well, no, it's yeah, <laughs> just a, maybe because you know before speaking to you sort of today, like there's that the the media presence and stuff. You've never been sort of talking about that sort of stuff, but it's just yeah, it's so fascinating. Um, you, I wanna, can't, you can't give everything away. No, exactly, <laughs> and you and you're not today. There's some there's some secrets there. For, um. I didn't word you up on this, but I'm just super interested now because I feel like you'd have these people. Just say tomorrow you were starting a team. Yeah. You had five people to sort of go to war with and they could be players or board members, coaches, like whoever it is. Yeah. Who could you, who would sort of come to the top of your mind? Of oh, people this, you've been with in your career. This is unfair because there's, there's a lot. so many. There is a lot. But and you put me on the spot. I have so. put you on the spot. We can take our time, but just say I'll like if you go, if we went like board, coach, Player, player, player. Well, I'm going to have to put a mix of Geelong and Hawthorne You're going to have to, in there. yeah. Uh, so now this is, yeah, this is really difficult. You just say uh, you got uh, lodged the, the Tasmanian sort of like license to go and pick five people to take over to start a new club and put it in the best position possible. Who would you take? Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have to be five. It can be whoever you want. No, I don't know. Lots. There'd be, there'd be so many people. Mm. Uh, I think uh, Kenneth. He gets a bit of a bad rap now, um, but what he did for Hawthorne during the 2000s period with Jason Dunstall mm. um, was massive. What was that like? I don't even. I'm not even aware. Well, of that. Hawthorne Footy Club was on his knees at the yeah. start of 2000, and then um, 
Jason Dunstall came in. He probably doesn't get enough accolades, but I know he was a huge support for Clarko, but also a huge support for the footy club. So mm. I reckon Dunstall would be um, a pretty astute one to get in. If you need um, some movers and shakers at political level, Kennett in his prime would be certainly one that you'd want. Yeah, um, Stuart Fox was huge um, at Hawthorne. Uh, he was a, was he the president or CEO? CEO. Yep. He's CEO of MCC now. Yeah. Uh, oh, I've met Stuart Fox actually. He yeah, was yeah, great guy. Yeah. Um, so he was handpicked from Geelong by yeah. Kennett. So um, there's a bit of Geelong and Hawthorne yeah, right. mixed into it. Um, he was able to have really tough conversations. Um, he read a really good business, um, and he just saw it really well from a player's point of view. Um, and I really admired how he went about it. Uh, Coach wise, oh, you take your pick. Mm. Um, well, I was fortunate. So we, we had Clarko, but then you had Adam Simpson under him, Chris Fagan, um, Luke Beveridge. Like they've all been successful, mm. all these guys. Um, there'd be even more. I can't even think. Um, Scotty's been rats, rats. Yeah, rats. This, yeah. He was uh, he was huge for me. He's probably individually um, the coach that um, helped my career the most. Uh, I was so lucky to have rats. He took me under his wing. Um, he's a good man, rats. Um, and then Scotty was awesome for me, especially in the period of life I was in with yep. young kids, couple of things going on, um, being a bit older, I couldn't have asked for anything more, uh, when I got to the Geelong footy club. So, um, coach is a hard one. Yeah. Um, Hodgie, like, how do you not have Hodgie? Can you split, can you, <laughs> how do you split like Hodge and Selwood? You played uh, with like two of the best <laughs> skippers of like all time. Yeah, well, success helps that best skipper thing, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, they were just brilliant. They were just, they were one of the boys. Yeah. They could understand anything you were going through because they had been through it before. Um, they were absolutely ruthless on the field and they didn't care what perception or public or anyone thought. They were out there yeah. to win and that's what they were getting paid to do. Um, so they were pretty cool in in that sense. I didn't get Joel in his absolute prime. I mm. uh, got Hodgie in his prime. You reckon you got like a beaten up Joel? Is that what you're saying? Uh, <laughs> just... Not a beaten up Joel, but um, he certainly wasn't in his mid yeah, of course, teens form. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I I can't even name the players like Hodgie. Yeah, it's uh, hard to. Jordan Lewis was huge. Like if you were starting a team, like there was Bud and Cyril. Then I had Jezza and Hawk, like, and Ruffy. It's like the like fucking craziest like lineups of all time, really. It's like someone said, "Oh, can you put your uh, best twenty-two together?" Best twenty-two together, and I was like, "Well, so I've got like Cyril and Luke Bruce's small forwards, um, and then I get to Geelong and Tyson Stengel has an All Australian year, yeah. And then it's like radio, so I'll do my full forward, centre forward. That should be easy." And then I'm like, I've got Bud, I've got Hawk, I've got Jezza, I've got Ruffy. Gunston as well, Roughhead. Yeah, well yeah. then, and then you're like, so you try and squeeze all them in, but then you're like, you got Gunners who kick 50 goals every year and you're like, he's a gun. And then um, there was a couple of other players, there's a couple of other forwards that I would have missed. But it's like, how do you even do a forward line? Yeah. And then it's like, you try and do a back line and it's like, well, that's just ridiculous. That's absurd as well. Yeah. Like you got Tom Stewart, who's probably the best defender in the game. But then it's like, what, you're not going to. Stratton, you've got 
Josh Gibson, Brian Lake, Grant Bur- Grant Birchall's probably the most underrated footballer play in the last yeah. ten years. And then, do you get a game? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hands down, mate. <laughs> you got a skipper. Yeah. Oh, oh no, no. Fuck, that is Imagine good. controlling that many egos. Oh, mate, that would be. But it's just like it was off its head when you mm. tried to put a team together. And then like the midfield, I'm like, oh gee, we had a good midfield at Hawthorne. And then it's like, how could you not put Danger and Joel as the starting sentiment? You got Mitchell, Lewis, you know, Hodge when he's in there. Yeah. But then there's just so many other players that like would be playing incredible roles as well, like like Atkins or something, for example. Yeah. It's just so important to how. But then like Puopolo, yeah, he was brilliant. But then like, and then the best player of more, who never gets mentioned, Sean Burgoyne. Yeah, right. Oh, you go into any position and be the best player. Mm. And then, like, randomly, like, Mark Blitzarves. Yeah. Like, he's not the best player I've played with, but he's the most valuable player I've ever played with. Yeah, it just goes anywhere. Play any position on the ground and beat anyone. And it's Good like, lucky, man. nah, it was pretty cool. I was trying to do something. It wasn't long ago. Someone asked me and... You'd I have just, to put, like, a squad. Yeah, I couldn't do it. It'd be tough. Yeah. Um, 2021? Was it yeah. 2021, Granny? That we won? Yeah. Nah, 22. 22. So, Norm. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. That tops things off. Do you think that that's just like the the icing sort of on the cake for everything? Uh, it was pretty cool. Like I mentioned earlier, that um, like Dad, he was so big on the team stuff, but he's yeah. like, "Oh, there's only one medal that ever matters." Normie, yeah. yeah. Like my old man would say the exact same thing that Norm Smith. Yeah. So like as a kid, but it's funny when I was at Hawthorne, I never, I never thought of it. Mm. Uh, and in 2015, I'd. Without blowing my own tires up, mm. had a cracking granny. Kick three, had twenty high twenty disposals, um, and that was all in the first three quarters. Because in the last quarter, I was like, "How good is this? We've yeah. won!" Like, who won it that year? Was that- we, uh, Cyril. Cyril. Um, and I was like, I wasn't even thinking of it. I should have been because if I, I think I had one touch in the last quarter. Yeah, it's like, a bit of junk time. Yeah, like yeah. it's like could have won two. <laughs> 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 then Hodgie wouldn't have anything on me. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, no, but it was like, I wasn't even thinking about it. And then uh, get to Geelong and I was randomly having a discussion with Hawk and a couple of the boys. It was before the finals, but they were talking about that, like, oh, what medals matter? Mm. And I was like, oh, there's only one, like to me. Yeah. As in, they all matter and they've shown great players win lots of great things and um, – Hats off to them, but I was like, nah, you want to win that one. We didn't even know we we're going to be playing in the grand final at that stage. Um, and like, I remember the grand final day. I got caught in the lift of the hotel for like 20 minutes just before the bus was taken off to the ground. And I was like, are you serious? My um, pop, who I was really close to, passed away two days before. And I was just like, oh, like, as in, it's been a hell of a week. Uh, and then. So I'm sitting in that lift, just thinking, and then I hit the button and there was about 10 of us in the lift and it goes through to the operator person and they're like, oh, yes, sir, we should be able to get someone out there in the next two to three hours. I'm like, that ain't, that ain't going to work. Like, I ought to be out of this lift in 10 minutes. Like, anyway, randomly after about 15, 20 minutes, the lift moved and we just, at half like went. So we had to like half Who were you there with? Uh, there's only one other Geelong person in the lift and there was oh, all so there's the- a few others though. Yeah, and then there was- a. A fair few of the AFL people were staying at the hotel. Then we'll drive into the game, and this sounds so ridiculous, but it had been a big week for me personally and like my family. And I remember just driving to the game thinking, oh, I can't be fucked. 
like, this is to a grand final. I'm like, what is going on? And I know that it was just like an array of emotions going on. And when I used to play back in Ballarat, I used to listen to music going to games randomly because I don't listen to music really at all. Uh, and I thought, just put some music in your phone, like in your ears. And so I put some music in my ears and um, I learned a couple of cool tricks playing the grand finals at Hawthorne that um, don't go out on the ground too early because you just you lose so much energy before yeah. the game. Um, you go out there, there's Shit stuff going, going on. There's just stuff going on. So like your nervous system's fully overloaded. So the last two or three grand finals I played in AFL level, I didn't go out. Or if I went out onto the ground, it was like two or three minutes and I was straight back in. Um, just quickly have a look what's going on and get back in because you just burn so much excess energy you don't need to burn. Um, you, you're already going to be ready because it's grand final. Your nervous system is it's at you know it's it's peaking, so you're good. So I actually like took a bit of time just to like close my eyes, relax, try and just build up a bit of energy because I felt like I had none left. Uh, and then we started the game, and I was just like. I am done here. I don't know where the ball's going. I cannot get a kick. It was like five minutes into the game and I was thinking, what are you doing? Like, this is the biggest game of the year. And then I just thought, fuck this. Like, I'm just going to take it on. I'm having fun today. Like, whatever happens, happens. But I'm just having fun. And then within five minutes, everything had turned. Mm. And it was like, it was one of those games. I don't know if you ever played one of them at um, Box Hill or Dogcast or East or whatever. But it was like one of those games where everything you did it was just right. Like there was a couple of kicks I did that I was like, actually, I'm just kicking this as far as I can because I just need to get it out of the area and hopefully have a rest for ten seconds. And like it went to someone and they kicked a goal. Yeah. And it's like, what is going on today? And then I kicked a goal from about 55. Jezza gave me the handball, and it was going through the middle of the points on the left. It was on. It was the punt road end. It was going middle of the points left, and I I don't know. Like I don't <laughs> I, I don't know. If pop was up there or however life works, no one knows. That's the beauty of it. But it was like going there and I'd been kicking him with a hook all all year, Nelly, like a little hook, and it was starting to really annoy me. And I sat it out there. And I don't know if wind came or what happened, but it literally was like someone stopped it and went, Err, and just dropped it in the goals. And, um, yeah, right at that point, we'd won the game pretty much. And I just thought, yeah, I don't know. I just can't do anything wrong today. I even won a hardball get. You know when Joel kicked that goal? Mm. I won a hardball get and got the handball yeah, out. That's how he kicked I, the goal. I like, seen that. Like, I haven't had a hardball get in my career. <laughs> um, that's incredible. To your question, no. I've never experienced that. But that, uh, that it, it was an unbelievable game. And it just felt like every like the whole team was in flow state. Yeah. And not often in footy, you get... You, well, yeah. You might have a couple of those days. Well, I've had three of them on grand final day. Wow. So 14 against Sydney, 15 against West Coast, and 22 against uh, Sydney. Mm. Isn't it amazing? Playing five AFL grand finals, three of them being, being against Sydney. But, uh, yeah, three times our team was in flow state on the biggest game, which is pretty cool. It's fucking cool, man. And then, like, the more you do it, the more you just get that benefit of it. Because you see yeah. it work the other way of of players and teams in the past. Like, you, if you don't get to that state and it goes the other way then it's just like yeah it happens it just keeps happening yeah. it keeps happening it keeps happening not that you ever really know but it was funny like we ran out against sydney in the grand final in 2022 and i watched them run out and i was looking at them at the national anthem and i think they're 
got a team that can do great things. Yeah. They're, the way they've set that up and the way that Horse and Tom Harley and Charlie Gardner and that are putting that team together is pretty cool. But like I remember at the National Anthem just thinking, there's no way we lose today really? after looking at them. And um, I was just, you know, looking at their posture and all different things. And, um, you know, that only, you only create that bias and um, get that right when you win. I could have had that thought and we lose. Yeah. Uh, but it just felt like we were on and it was a big occasion for them and they just didn't nail it. They'll be better if they get there again. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. You got to get there again. Yeah. What about, um, I, I love this sort of analogy because I've never thought about it in a sense, but like I was chatting to this guy, um, you love your golf, Cam yeah. Smith, his psychologist is Jonah Oliver, who we've had on the pod before. And this like unreal thing he talks about around like the price of admission is nerves and all those bits and pieces. But he also works a lot with like people in the Olympics where, you know, it's like four years, yeah, one yeah. event. If you fuck it up, it's not. Whereas footy, it's like, you know, you got each week, but grand final day, there is no next week. It yeah. is what it is. And the biggest like misdemeanor or miss sort of fuck up that people make is that play around. Um, you've got to do something extra on those days. It's like, boys, yeah. this is the biggest game of our career. Like we have to be better than we've ever been. It's like, he's like it's actually the complete opposite you've actually just got to go back to what you know and what you do be yeah. calm and play the way you've already played yeah because you've trained that you've done that and by actually coaches saying it's bigger it's better it's this you're actually already just fucking the team for something that yeah, it's like yeah. they've never done it before yeah so it's harder to actually achieve yeah was that like similar messaging is it uh yeah similar message like, on a personal note those fundamentals are huge yeah uh it's funny, the best games you ever had, it's because your fundamentals were perfect. Mm. Well, not perfect, because there's no such thing as perfect, yeah. but um, they were as good as they could be. Um, so that's one, that's that's massive grand final day. You're automatically gonna play at a higher level because it's a grand final. And if you can get your fundamentals right, there's two things I always sort of went back to um, when big moments or big games were coming was, one, like nerves are good, but I always treat them as excitement. Yeah, okay. Or I think some people treat nerves as like, oh, this isn't a good thing. Yeah. And it's so you negative. like tell your body, no, no, this is excitement. This is excitement. Yeah. This means you're ready. Like, enjoy it. Like, embrace that. Or embrace going to the toilet 15 times a day of a game. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and the other thing was, as a kid, and for any well, parent out there that is trying to teach their kids lessons, or for any kids out there that, um, listeners, I don't know how many kids you have that listen, but uh, put yourself in those situations. Play as many sports as you can and put yourself in those situations as many times as you can because no one's ever going to be perfect in them. No one's ever going to nail every single one of them. Yeah. But, and I had a, a huge misdemeanor in a big final mm. um, and I failed. But more often than not in the biggest games of the year, and my numbers would suggest that in finals, I was so much better in finals than in the home and away because, and I'll put it back to one, I place such a higher value on a big game versus a game that I didn't think mattered. Mm. Um, but it was also, you did it so much as a kid. And as a kid, once you learn to succeed in those moments, then it, your inner belief system starts to believe that you can actually pull that out at any period of time yeah. so, so you're talking about like visualizing big moments and like you know kids aren't gonna be visualizing but yeah. we all have those things like kicking the winner after a goal yeah. and those bits and pieces just yeah. like forming those one habits. visualizing but like i played so much cricket yeah I played you're so always in footy. those positions i played so much footy like there was always something i did so much running as a kid mm. and i knew when the time came that i could find a little bit extra yeah 
to succeed in those moments. And, you know, of course you're going to fail in moments, but isn't that the beauty of it? Because mm. you only get better from those failures. Yeah, and you don't get the pure enjoyment of succeeding if you haven't failed. Yeah, yeah. What's next, man? I, I, I'm, I, we were talking before about what you're doing this, this year, but like, geez, it'd be cool to see you do something at like in footy club level or AFL land or whatever it is. Like, what are you, what are you aiming for in that space? Do you want to get involved back in footy? Or you want to have a breather and do uh, some other things? Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's funny. Like, I was big on when I retired having a year off. Mm. I think that's in. Well, for me, that was important. Yeah. One, I felt absolutely burnt out from playing. Um, Two, I didn't want to hold any type of resentment or any negative feelings if I go back into club land because as a player, there's certain things that irk you um, where I think it's positive to step away, for me, certainly, um, for a period of time. Um, this year is just a big year of exploration, mm. um, trying a few different things. Um, I've always had a love for the media. Uh, I think that plays a really important role in footy and sometimes coaches and players forget that that um one yeah the footy and players should certainly get paid more because they're the ones that put on the product but never forget the role media play and you look at us sports and how influential uh their broadcasters and everything are how they build the excitement and entertainment around it all which i think is pretty cool and something um that i'd love to explore uh, yeah and i have a passion for uh, the future of the game um, and making it the biggest and best sport in Australia and the biggest and best sport it can be. So um, I don't know if I'll explore something in that area. Um, and then I also, um, yeah, love business and a few different things. So um, don't know. It's just a big year of exploration and a big year of doing fun things. Yeah, well, whatever it is, it's going to be cool and you'll be an asset at whatever you do um, in the media or business space. Pump for the next um, sort of 12 to 24 months, see what happens. But we should definitely keep continuing some stuff here we've got some um i love what you're saying about the american sports stuff we've got some really cool things around live streaming of games and and stuff coming this year that you'd be fantastic yeah because you you're you're actually very good at um i love your directiveness i'm more directive huh? yeah, I, I do I, get i do get told i'm uh too honest sometimes no it's not <laughs> there's no such thing as being too especially in the media like it's it's gonna be fucking unbelievable hearing you give your opinion because like i feel like and i'm not personally good at this either and I think it's really easy. It's easier to give an opinion when you've done it. Yeah. So like, yeah, you it, certainly feel more confident. Well, you feel confident. You also got the runs on the board to to give some things. So if you're talking about big games and playing with other, like, you sort of got the runs on the board to be able to give your opinion on certain bits and pieces about footy, which definitely helps. Yeah. No, it does. It does. And when you walk into a room, you certainly feel more confident than if you hadn't done it. Yeah. So, no, it's cool. And uh, I'm not always in learning mode, but it's any journey you do to be able to learn, have success, learn, have success, because mm. it validates certain things that you learn as well, um, which is pretty cool. And uh, hopefully I've got another few years of being in the workforce and um, learning a heap more because I think that's the thing that excites me really. I love it, man. Um, quick one, where's your golf game at, at the moment, handicap-wise? Well, handicap is two kids that i have at home mm, okay. that, that makes yeah, yeah. golf uh quite difficult um 10 something 10. at the moment are you so, lefty no nah, righty yeah i'm a okay. bit That's i'm a bit funny That's... i do lots of things left and right yeah um but yeah i just need to play more because i should be lower what's your um 
A1, like what's your one wood and then what's your improvement area? Depends what day it is. Yeah. My driver's usually pretty good. Drivers. Getting those baby drawers or those high cuts? Uh, they're high cuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did hit a baby draw the other day at Peninsula Kingswood, which oh, yeah. was nice. In north or south? No, it was south. First time I played there. Yeah, First nice. time I've been there, yeah, uh, which was it was pretty cool. That's as good as a golfing experience as you get in Australia, other than Barnburgle probably. Yeah. yeah look, I'm, yeah, I'm close to being um, on there, but we I've signed up, um, hopefully be let in soon. But I do think my favourite Victorian experience still is National Old. Oh, yeah? Yeah. National Old's cool. That's my one. Oh, and even Vic for some, I love playing at Vic, Victoria. I was about to say Kingston Heath. Kingston Heath is just cool because it's of just like pure. Tiger Woods and like that whole story around him playing there. Yeah. I think they got the best logo in golf. Yeah, Kingston yeah. Heath with it's the little cool. um, flower and stuff too. National. Have you been to Cathedral? I'm yeah, sorry, yeah that's pretty cool. Actually, yeah. that probably has to be that's, the best that's Victorian best. experience. Yeah. But yeah, how good's golf? But I need to play a little bit more. Now we'll get out for a hit. Yeah, yeah, we will. Yeah, definitely. Um, mate, thank you so much for today. No worries. It's Too been uh, incredible. Good stuff. Thanks for listening to another Clubby Sports podcast. If you like this episode and you're looking for something else to listen to next, I've added a link in the show notes to another episode that I think you will love. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Dylan Friends, on TikTok at Dylan Friends. And if you want to send something in for the show or chat to us on the minis, any bit of feedback, please email me at mailbag at dylanfriends.com. We'll chat to you soon, IllyXX. Thank you so much. KO's got you covered this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. Wow, in the AFL this week, there are some huge games. Collingwood versus Adelaide live with no ad break during play, exclusive in Victoria. Giants versus Bulldogs. Oh, I remember that game. I think it was 2016 at Giants Stadium to get the Bulldogs into the grand final. I will never forget that one. Live with no ad breaks free during play. Exclusive in Victoria. And Essendon versus North Melbourne. Geez, that's the old Ben McKay Cup. Exclusive to Fox Footy, available on KO. Don't forget those NBA playoffs. They are dominating at the moment. It is just getting bigger and better than ever. Watch every game of both Eastern and Western Conferences finals live with ESPN on KO. There's plenty of room for everyone, no matter what you want to watch. So get on board with KO, now also available on Hubble.